1: with dr frank turek ladies and gentlemen what is the government's number one responsibility why do governments exist what would you say it is think about it for a minute why do we need a government at all james madison who wrote federalist 51 the father of our constitution said if men were angels No government would be necessary. There needs to be a government in place to protect innocent people from evil. That's the number one responsibility of government. Protect innocent people from evil. That's why we have the armed forces and the police forces. Because if we don't have a military force or a police force, innocent people are going to get hurt. In fact, that's why we have borders and immigration laws, to protect innocent people from evil. Now, there's a controversy in our country right now regarding the border, particularly the southern border. And how should Christians think about that? I mean, let me just say, I wish all 7 billion people in the world could live in America and enjoy its freedoms and opportunities. The problem is, they can't. That would be impossible. I wish everyone in the world agreed with our constitution, but they don't. I wish there were no drugs. There were no gangs. There were no terrorists. There was no sex trafficking coming across our borders, but there is. In fact, I wish borders, security, and laws were not necessary, but they are. I wish everybody could move to the United States so we could more easily get them the gospel. But they can't. They can't move here. So, given the fact that we live in a fallen world with fallen people and that this world is a dangerous place, borders are a necessary evil. Well, they're not really evil, but you get the idea. It would be better if we didn't have to have them, but we need them. Now, if you're for open borders, I think you're probably well-intentioned, but I think you're starting from a premise that is false, and I'll get to that premise a little bit later because we're going to talk about this topic today, and I I may get to another topic a little bit later in the program. I don't know if we will. We've got plenty to cover on this issue, Uh, and, and let me say that this border mentality or no borders mentality, this open borders mentality is the same mentality driving some of the culture wars in our country. For, for example, the gender ideology in our country, they think there are no borders when it comes to sexuality or sexual behavior. And if they do have borders, they're not objective, but completely invented in the person's mind. They think there's no reason to have borders. Now, what people don't seem to realize is that borders, whether they're physical borders or moral borders, are in place for our safety. God's moral laws help us. They're not arbitrary inventions in God's mind that he puts in place to squelch our fun. They're actually put into place and they're designed to help us live life as safely and as productively as possible in this fallen and dangerous world. We need borders. I mean, let's take a very practical example. You need, you need borders driving down the street, if people could drive anywhere on any side of the street without any laws, none of us would get where we were going safely. In fact, you can drive down a highway at 70, 80 miles an hour. And if you stay between the white lines and stay on the road, chances are you're going to get where you're going to go safely. But when you start veering across lines, across lanes, across barriers, across borders into oncoming traffic, you're not going to make it. Borders are there for our, our safety. They're not there to squelch our fun. They're actually there to help us live life productively. And if you're of the mindset that borders aren't necessary, then I think, I'm sorry to say, you're just detached from reality. In fact, I wrote an article, a column back over the summer that I'd like to delve into a little bit here and pull from some other columns I've been reading recently on this issue. And the column I wrote is called "Why Everyone Believes in Secure Borders and Why I- and Why America Needs Them." Why Everyone Believes in Secure Borders and Why America Needs Them. It was found on Townhall.com, Stream.org. It's it's found uh, at One News Now. It's also on our website CrossExamine.org. Probably the easiest easiest place to get it. CrossExamine.org. Just type in "borders" in the search bar there, and you'll you'll find this article. And here's what I say in this article. I say if you say you're for open borders, you're not not completely why, why do I say that? Do you have locks on your on your doors? How about on your car? you got a fence so the kids can play safely? Do you have passwords on your computers? Do you have bank uh, do, uh, do, do, do you have a password on your bank account? Do you protect your credit card numbers? How about your social security number? How about your medical records? Do you think curbs, guardrails, and traffic lines are a good idea? or should people just be able to drive where? And any way they want. How about security borders at the airport? Are they necessary or are they optional? The truth is, everyone believes in secure borders. In fact, life would be impossible without them. As long as human nature is what it is, bent toward evil, borders will be necessary. The only question is, where am I going to draw the borders for my own security? Now, let me pause here for a second. I just revealed The false premise that I think people who are for open borders mistakenly believe is true. What's the false premise? The false premise is that people believe that other people are just, or human nature is inherently good. In fact, let me put it this way. Modern liberals, although they're often well-intentioned, go wrong because they start with wrong premises. They start with the wrong premise that people are inherently good. Not with the true premise that people are inherently bent toward evil. The truth is, it's hard to be good, and it's easy to be bad. Think about that. It's hard to be good, it's easy to be bad. It's it's hard to be selfless, it's very easy to be selfish. That's why Jesus said that, that we love darkness rather than light. And Paul told us to renew our minds. Romans chapter 12. Why do we need to renew our minds if we're inherently good? We wouldn't need to renew our minds. I mean, let me just do a thought experiment with you. Let's suppose the police made a blanket statement in your community. In fact, across the country, they said, tomorrow for 24 hours, there will be absolutely no law enforcement. You can do whatever you want, and we will not intervene, and you will never be prosecuted for any crime you commit tomorrow. For those 24 hours, it's a free-for-all let me ask you a question. What do you think would happen? Do you think people are going to resort to their, their good nature and not do anything wrong? No, because we don't have a good nature. We have a nature bent toward evil. Would, would Best Buy survive tomorrow? Would the Lexus dealer in your town survive? How many homes would be broken into, burglarized? How many people raped, killed? tortured it would be mayhem in fact tragically new york city had that situation uh back in the 70s uh the police didn't come out and say we're not going to prosecute anyone but there was a blackout and when the blackout occurred the police couldn't prosecute anyone it was a free-for-all it was anarchy you see we are bent naturally toward evil jeremiah said the heart is deceitful and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Jesus, of course, said men love darkness rather than light. Yet we are bent toward evil. And that's by, by the way, that's why we need a savior. Because we are bent toward evil and we do evil and we need someone to come save us. And this is why we need borders. We need borders, not just the borders we're talking about in our culture today. We need borders in our lives to protect us. And we're going to talk more about that right after the break. You're listening to Cross Examine with Frank Turek on the American Family Radio Network. I want to point out tomorrow, Sunday, I'll be here in Charlotte, North Carolina, speaking at Christ Lutheran Church, both in the morning and in the evening. I don't have enough faith to be an atheist. All the details on our web on our website, crossexamine.org. But we're back in two right now. Don't go away.
0: Thank you for listening to the Cross-Examine podcast. This material is made available to you for free by the contributions of listeners like you. If you wish to support future podcasts, just go to crossexamine.org and click on the donate button or simply use the donate feature directly on our app. Thanks. Welcome
1: back to Cross Examined with Frank Turek on the American Family Radio Network. Our website is crossexamined.org. That's crossexamined with a D on the end, but .org. And by the way, um, I mentioned on the last program that most of the programs we do here, most of the radio programs, what turns into the podcast, are evergreen shows. In other words, we don't talk a lot about current events or just current events. Or if we are talking about current events, uh, th- they're events that uh, have a biblical referent or something a Christian ought to know, like today's show, we're talking about borders. And I just noticed that when you go to our iTunes page and, uh, you look at our, our iTunes feed there, it has about 60 or 65 shows. By the way, thank you uh, for going there and putting up a positive five-star review that really helps us move up in the rankings, which means more people will hear this podcast. So if you wouldn't mind doing that uh, again for us, if you haven't done it already, uh, go put a five-star review, uh, put the, put the review on the podcast page with my picture there. Uh, the cross-examine with Frank Durek podcast. We're trying to move that one up. Uh, and what what I did notice, however, I said, there's only like 50 or 60 shows up there past two years of shows. If you want to get all of the programs, because most of them are evergreen, get the app, the cross-examined app, two words in the app store, cross-examined, and you can go back years and years and listen to some of these podcasts You say, Frank, why would I do that? Because these are evergreen shows. I was just doing a little bit of research uh, this week on The Resurrection and uh, Gary Habermas's a minimal facts approach. So I went back and I listened to the podcast, the interview I did with Gary. I actually did two of them back in 2016. I think it was in March. And I'll tell you, I listened to the program not to hear myself. I listened to the program to hear the people I'm interviewing because sometimes when you're doing the interview, you're you're thinking about the next question and you don't really grasp everything the, the, the person is saying. So I'm learning going back, listening to Gary, what he said, and you can go back too. Uh, if you get the app, get the cross-examined app and listen to the podcast there because you can't get all the programs on iTunes after about uh, 60 or so shows. Uh, that's as far back as you can go. So get the app, the cross-examined app. And by the way, on the app also you can watch the TV show streaming live and you can uh, access the the quick answer section there that will help you uh, interact with people who have questions about Christianity but again, thank you also for uh, putting the positive reviews up there on iTunes. Keep, keep that up if you would. And I'll read some of the reviews here in future programs. But we're, today we're talking about borders. And we're talking about the need for borders, not just physical borders, but moral borders in our lives. Because if we don't have them, uh, we are going to get hurt. So I, I was just a reading through an article I wrote, a column I wrote, which you can access at crossexamined.org. That's our website, crossexamined.org with a D on the end of it, cross examined why everyone believes in secure borders and America needs them. And I ended here. I said, the truth is everyone believes in secure borders. In fact, life would be impossible without them. As long as human nature is what it is, bent toward evil, borders will be necessary. The only question is, where am I going to draw the borders for my own security? You may not want to secure the border of the United States, but you certainly want to secure the border of your home. The problem is the security of your home is affected by the security of your street, which is affected by the security of your town, which is affected by the security of your state and your country. And by the way, I'm not just talking about physical security, but also economic security. The reason people want to come to America for the freedoms and prosperity that we have here in America is that this has become a land of opportunity and the most prosperous nation on earth, which would have been impossible. Were it not for secure borders, you see open borders would destroy the very reasons people want to come here in the first place. Why? Because prosperity can only be achieved when people feel secure enough to uh, secure enough economically and personally to take risks, to innovate, to invest and extend themselves in the market. I right, mean, let me stop right here for a second. This is why in places like Venezuela, they're not doing that. Why? They don't have a secure rule of law. And if they do. What's happening is uh, the government may be confiscating property or private businesses. In other words, people aren't confident enough to take risks to create uh, uh, prosperous conditions, because if they extend themselves into the economy, they may have their property confiscated or they may not be able to operate in a prosperous way without the rule of law, without secure borders. All right, let me go back to what I was saying earlier. The security that we're talking about here, economic security, requires safe streets, law and adequate infrastructure, environmental protection, and a welfare base kept to a sustainable limit. Such security also requires the rule of law, which creates a predictable and level playing field. Without the rule of law, you don't get the security and prosperity of America. You get the corruption and poverty of, say, Venezuela, which uh, when I wrote this article six months ago, do you know what the annual inflation rate was? The annual inflation rate was, let me see see if I can even read this correctly. It was 43,378%. Let me say that again. 43,378% inflation rate in Venezuela. What's it in America? One or two percent? You see, people flee countries that don't have this unique combination of security and freedom. That's why communist countries build walls to keep people in. In America, we have to build walls to keep people out. You say, well, that's immoral. The Democrats are saying that's immoral. I'll get to that in a minute. Let me, let me just continue with my column here. While it would be great to have everyone have the same opportunities we have in America, it's impossible to do so. You can't bring everybody to America. If we opened our borders, millions of people would flood this country and overwhelm the very things necessary to keep it prosperous, including our strained safety net. Even extremely high immigration levels would do virtually nothing to ease world poverty and i i put a video that you need to see embedded in this column again the column is called and the pot it's it's a it's a post on our website too crossexamine.org it's called why everyone needs uh, or believes in secure borders and why america needs them not just america every country needs secure borders and this little video shows you uh How inadequate we would be, even if we opened up our borders, even if we if we took as many people as possible in, it would do virtually nothing to dent world poverty. What is the solution to world poverty? I'm getting there. Hang on, I don't have the (laughs) I don't have the complete solution, but I have an idea, and I'll get to it here in a minute. Um, Then there's the fact that some illegal immigrants would harm Americans. Now, now don't get me wrong. I'm not saying all illegal immigrants would be terrorists or criminals, although some surely would be. What I'm saying is is that controlled immigration and secure borders are as necessary to our country as they are to your home. You don't just let anyone and everyone into your home. If you did, your home would be destroyed, possibly by a criminal element, but most definitely by the fact that your home couldn't physically handle such a large influx of people. In a similar way, open borders would kill the golden goose that that we call America. It would destroy the very environment which entices people to come here in the first place. So while an open borders policy may sound compassionate, it actually leads to disastrous results. That's because, like so many other utopian leftist ideas, it ignores reality and misdiagnoses human nature. What's the ignored reality or misdiagnosis of human nature? It's what I mentioned earlier. People are not inherently good. We're inherently evil. We need borders to protect ourselves from ourselves and protect ourselves from others who want to do us harm. Finally. This is what I say in the column. Contrary to what the media narrative is, the Bible does, does not mandate open borders or prohibit walls. In fact, Dr. Wayne Grudem had a column on this, which I reference here in my column, and he says the Bible actually affirms that borders are legitimate and that walls are good things. For example, God himself scattered people by language in Genesis 11, and the promised land of Israel had definite borders, as did its surrounding nations. In fact, Moses respected the border of Edom by asking permission for the king to, uh, of the king of Edom to pass through that country. And if you go to Numbers chapter 20, you can see he was actually denied the ability to cross Edom. Jesus acknowledged that nations need to be reached. In fact, that's the Great Commission, right? The great Commission is go, therefore, make disciples of all what? Nations because there are different nations out there that presupposes that there are borders between them. And Paul declared that God intends nations to have legitimate rulers. At the top of the program, when I said, what's the greatest responsibility of government? The number one responsibility is to protect innocent people of evil, from evil. That's what Paul says in Romans chapter one, that that the ruler, the king, doesn't bear the sword for nothing. What does he mean by that? That the government has the ability to physically prevent bad people from hurting innocent people. That's why the government exists. That's its number one role in government or the number one responsibility of government, I should say, is to protect innocent people, innocent people from evil. And how does it do that? It sets up borders. It puts uh, armies and navies and air forces and Marines in place and police in place. The armed forces protect us from bad people outside the country and police protect us from bad people inside the country. They're necessary, and by the way, Paul even used his status as a Roman citizen to protect himself from harm. You can go to Acts chapter twenty-two to read that. In other words, he took the privilege that he had as a Roman citizen to prevent the Jews from killing him. He used his his citizen status to protect himself, and of course, the scriptural commands not to steal presuppose borders and the right to private property. It would be impossible to steal something if it belonged to everyone. But the very fact that thou shall not steal is a command presupposes that people have the right to secure borders and private property. Now, what's most remarkable about all of this, by the way, is that there will even be a border in the afterlife between heaven and hell because God can't force free creatures to love him. Or to love one another. Forced love is impossible. Love requires freedom, and freedom requires the security that your choices will be respected, even if it means you want an eternal border between you and God. There's a great gulf gulf fixed, Luke says in the discussion between Lazarus and the rich man in Luke chapter 16. There's a great gulf fixed between heaven and hell. There's a border! Between heaven and hell. There are not only legitimate borders now, in other words. There's going to be a legitimate border in the afterlife. Now, let me just say, we're blessed to live in America. But we need to recognize that it's impossible to have everyone live here. The best way to protect... By the way, just like it would be impossible to have everyone live in Brazil, or the Soviet Union, or China. It's, it, it couldn't physically handle it. We need to recognize that it's impossible to have everyone live here. The best way to protect America and help people outside of our country is to control immigration at a sustainable level while, while exporting our ideas of economic and political liberty to other nations. In other words, we can't bring everyone to America, but we should try and bring America to everyone. That's the best solution to help people who are in poverty bring our ideas, our ideas in our Constitution, our ideas of liberty and the rule of law. Bring those things there. Help them set them up in their countries. All right, I'm Frank Turek. We're back in just two minutes. Don't go away. College campuses are hostile to the Christian faith, and three out of four young people walk away from the church once they go to college. That's why we go to college campuses and present, I don't have enough faith to be an atheist, in the United States and even all over the world. When we do this, we don't charge students a dime. That's why we need your financial support. In fact, over the past couple of years, we've been able to grow dramatically because of your generous support. And 100% of your donations go to ministry. Zero percent go to building. So when you give to cross Examine, you'll be giving to help us go reach young people where they are. Would you consider giving today? Thank you so much and thank you so much for what you've done already. Frank Turk with you, ladies and gentlemen. By the way, last, this is the last week. The deadline's coming up to sign up for the footsteps of Paul Cruz that I'm leading, leading in April of this year. We'll go about April 20th to about May 3rd or 4th. We're gonna start in Rome. And make our way all the way to Athens and Corinth through the Greek islands. We'll see a lot of biblical sites and also just beautiful Mediterranean islands. And if you want to be on that ship, you need to sign up real soon. Go to our website, crossexamined.org. Click on the banner. Got to sign up this week or we're going to be full. It's going to be closed out. Uh, and you can also call 888 That's 888 if you want to learn more about it. Uh, next year, uh, in 2020, we're going to Israel. This year, Footsteps of Paul. Next year, Israel with Eli Shukron, Eli, I've had on the program here before, the great Jewish archaeologist. He'll be our guide uh, next year, April 2020. But this year, 2019, the beautiful Footsteps of Paul trip. So much history on this trip. I just love this trip. I love Rome and Athens and Corinth and the Med. It's just going to be amazing. Hope you can join us. Uh, and also want to mention a couple of weeks. I'm going to be in Westerville Church in Westerville, Ohio. In fact, it's called, let me get the, the exact date. It's Sunday, January 27th, Westerville Christian Church in Westerville, Ohio, uh, both in the morning and in the evening. And then at uh, the next night, January 28th, Ohio State University with my friend Eric Chabot, who runs the uh, Ratio Christi group there. We always have a great turnout at, at Ohio State. He does a great job. In fact, I've probably been to Ohio State four or five times. And it's, as you know, in Columbus, Ohio, one of the biggest universities in the country. I'll be there and it's open to everybody, 730 p.m. Uh, That's the 28th of January. And then a little bit later, the following week, I'll be at Winthrop University here in Rock Hill, South Carolina. Week after that, I will be at Northern Arizona University in Flagstaff. And I'll also be speaking at Flagstaff Christian Fellowship the night before. That's February 12th at Flagstaff Christian Fellowship and then Northern Arizona University on February 13th. All that coming up. And uh, as I also mentioned, tomorrow, Sunday, um, Sunday, the what's today? Sunday, the 13th, January 13th. I'll be at Christ Lutheran Church here in Charlotte. It's on Providence Road. All the details on our website, cross examined Org. All right. Let me go back now to our discussion on borders. And there's been a lot written on it, as you know, from a political perspective. And uh, as, as you know, we don't really talk about uh, endorsing candidates on this show, but we do talk about the political issues that impact moral issues. And Michael Barone, who uh, has been a long-term political uh, pundit and a long-term political Guru, if you will, has a column at RealClearPolitics.com. And he says, a stalemate as Trump goes factual, Democrats illogical. Now, he's, he's not a partisan. He's not, you know, Republican or Democrat, really. He just tries to state what he thinks is true. And here's what he says in this column that just ran a couple of days ago. He says, Democrats insist vehemently that a wall which many supported a dozen years ago, will inevitably be ineffective and must be regarded as immoral. In other words, he's saying that people like Chuck Schumer and Nancy Pelosi and uh, and the, the Democrat leaders on, on Capitol Hill have been coming out against the wall, calling it immoral, when just a few years ago, we've got video of them saying we need this. And here's what Barone says. He says this argument falls or flies in the face of evidence that it, it it doesn't work. It's ineffective, the wall. He says, as American Enterprise Institute's Michael Rubin pointed out in 2017, Israel's wall with the West Bank, Morocco's wall with Algeria, India's wall with Bangladesh, Hungary's with Serbia, and others have reduced illegal crossings to near zero. And let me pause right here. In in Israel, this is well known. They built a, a barrier between the some of the Palestinian areas and the Jewish settlements, because there were so many terrorist attacks that they saw no other way of securing these Jewish settlements. And since they built that wall back in about 2000 or so, they've basically reduced terrorist attacks to near zero, because walls do work. In fact, I remember uh, when President Obama was the president, uh, he had said, "Well, walls don't work." And Charles Krauthammer at the time. Uh, who was uh, a pundit, said, if walls don't work or fences don't work, why is there one around the White House? <laughs> yes, indeed, President Obama just built a wall around the house he bought in in uh, D.C. Why? Because he needs one. He could be in danger if he doesn't have one. Walls work for a reason. By the way, there, there are walls in prisons. Do they work? Yeah, I guess they do. <laughs> anyway, back to the article that Barone uh, has written. This year, Rubin reports that France, Iraq, Lithuania, Estonia and Norway are putting up walls. It is simply counterfactual to suggest that walls won't work. A willful subordination of facts to the politics of the day, he writes. Then Barone goes on to say that some of the Democrats are calling the wall immoral because it's racist. I guess you just pull out the race card and you win, right? Just say something's racist. Well, you can't be for it then. Is it really racist? And here's what Barone says To say that it is impermissible or racist to distinguish between American citizens and others is to make a case for open borders. He says, even in the days of Ellis Island, health restrictions blocked some because would be immigrants and deterred uh, perhaps millions of others. So, for health reasons, we used to keep people out. Was that racist? No. And he said Trump made the argument more gracefully, pointing out that uh, uh, President Trump did a uh, a White House uh, Oval Office briefing on the networks the other night. He said, uh, pointing out that wealthy politicians build walls, i.e. Obama, fences and gates around their property, not, quote, because they hate people on the outside, but because they love the people on the inside, unquote. That's a good way of putting it. When you put a wall around your house, it's not because, or you put a lock on your door, it's not necessarily because you hate people outside, it's because you love the people inside. And you're trying to protect them. A backyard fence is not a prison wall. That's from Michael Barone. Now, for a more partisan perspective, my friend David Limbaugh, who wrote the uh, forward for I Don't Have Enough Faith to Be an Atheist, uh, he hold back at all. He's a partisan, in his own words, Republican. Doesn't mean what he says is true or false. I'm just saying here's what he said in his column this week. He said, don't think for a second that Democrats oppose a wall because it wouldn't work. They do so precisely because it would work. I repeat, it is border security they oppose as evidenced by their opposition to Kate's law. Their reprehensible support of sanctuary cities, their callous disregard for criminal elements in whatever percentages illegally crossing our borders, their jaw-dropping opposition to the deportation of MS-13 gang members and other violent criminals, their demonization of ICE, their history of obstructing border enforcement, their secret affinity for open borders, because increasing illegal immigration leads to an endless supply of future Democrat, Democratic voters and their endless game-playing over a wall, including their gleeful eagerness to keep their precious federal government shut down just so they can demagogue the issue and humiliate President Trump. One day the Democrats will pretend they earnestly support border enforcement. And the next Pelosi tells us that a wall would be immoral. She can't have it both ways. Why would it be immoral for a sovereign nation protect its borders and its citizens? Let me stop right here. These are my words now. If if someone like Congresswoman Pelosi says that a border wall is immoral, but in the next breath she says she wants border security, what's the difference? What's the difference? If, if you're saying, okay, a wall won't work, but some other kind of security will keep illegal immigrants out. How is it immoral to use a wall vice whatever technology you want to use? The end effect is the same if they both are the same. Keeping people out. So she can't have it both ways. Back to David Limbaugh's column. He says, why would it be immoral for a sovereign nation to protect its borders and its citizens? Why would it be immoral when other forms of border enforcement are not? It was immoral, or she said, he says, was it immoral when she virtually and all other Democratic Party leaders gave impassioned speeches in recent years stressing the importance or the imperative of border security and preventing illegal immigration? It's time the Democrats were forced to justify their indefensible position on the wall. It's heartbreaking that we've arrived at a point in our history when one of the nation's two primary political parties is bearish on national security or national sovereignty, And the rule of law, unquote, that's from David Limbaugh. You can read his his column. If you just Google David Limbaugh, you'll find it. Now, this is really tragic when you think about it, that there's an entire political party, and I think Limbaugh's right about this, there seems to be anyway, an entire political party who does not want to carry out the number one priority that they have. And that is to protect innocent people from evil. They don't want to do that. Now, if you're going to argue that you do want to do that, give me the reasons why you don't want a wall or you don't want border security or, or, or don't equivocate, equivocate between border security and a wall. If, if you've got a better idea to keep illegal immigrants out, tell us what it is. And I say illegal immigrants. Legal immigrants we want. Again, let me go back to the top of this program. I wish everybody come to, can come to America. But given the reality of reality, it can't happen. There's no way we can protect innocent people from evil if we don't vet people coming into our country. It, 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 you, you have to vet them. You have to have, you have to have a way of vetting people, and that means they can only come in at certain points where you can vet them. Now we've got sex trafficking coming over the border. We may have terrorists coming over the border. Not to say, you know, everybody coming over the border is like this. I'm not saying that, but I'm saying it's without question that this is happening. We've got certainly drugs coming over the border, and these people don't want to stop this? Give me your case as to why we should not stop this. It needs to be stopped. The question is how? Now, let me be honest with you. When it comes to demeanor, Trump gets a D. When it comes to policy, I think Trump gets an A. We need like every country needs secure borders. And by the way, some of the Democrats are claiming, "Oh, this is a this is a, a financial issue." <laughs> oh, please. Let me say this, neither party cares about spending money. That's all they're doing. Both the Republicans and Democrats are sending money like drunken sailors, and that's an insult it's an insult to drunken sailors by the way. There's been no fiscal responsibility from the Republicans or the Democrats. It's not a money issue. They'll spend money on trying to figure out why Eskimos try and commit adultery. You know, they have these studies, these crazy studies that the government shouldn't be involved in. They're spending money on that, but they won't spend money on their number one responsibility as a government. That's why these people shouldn't be in government. If you're not going to carry out your number one duty, then find another job. All right, I'm Frank Turek. You're listening to cross Examine with Frank Turek on the American Family Radio Network. Our website is crossexamine.org. A lot more right after the break. Don't go away.
0: We're back in just two. If you find value in the content of this podcast, don't forget to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, where you can find more. Just type cross examine" or Frank Turek on the search bar. Also, visit our website where we add new videos, articles, and free resources daily. Just this past week, I had the
1: privilege of going down and speaking at the New Orleans Baptist Theological Seminary Apologetics Conference. And what great folks down there! Beautiful campus down there in New Orleans. I didn't realize, but that seminary, that school, has been there for about a hundred years, and they've just got a little oasis out there uh, in New Orleans uh, that is just beautiful brick buildings, and I mean it's a it's a little piece of of uh, tranquility there in a busy city, uh, and uh, Bob Stewart, the one of the Professors down there invited me down, and I was down there with uh, several other apologists, including Gary Habermas and Richard Howe, folks we've had on this program before, and it was just a great time. Their 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 apologetics conference, ladies and gentlemen, it's five days long; it's the whole week. I happen to be there speaking on Wednesday and Thursday, and I did. Uh, I don't have enough faith to be an atheist. Uh, part one and two, and I also did uh, "Stealing from God: Why Atheists Need God to Make Their Case," and uh, a presentation called. Uh, who is God? Look to the heavens. And uh, it was just great being down there with all those folks. So if you're down there in the New Orleans area, you may want to look into that particular uh, apologetics conference. It comes every January, early in the month. And there were people who came from all over, Oklahoma, Texas. They drove over Mississippi. They drove all in, in for that and even brought schools came to this thing. Churches came to it. So it was really well done. Uh, in any event, uh, let's go back now to talking about – a little bit about borders, but then I want to go back to uh, a new topic or start a new topic in this final segment. Uh, again, I want – if you haven't heard the whole podcast, if you're just tuning in now, the whole radio program, you got to go back and listen to the entire podcast because we were talking about border security. And the column I wrote is why everyone believes in secure borders and why America needs them. All the politicians up there are saying we don't need walls. We don't need borders. They have walls around their house or a fence around their house. They certainly have security in the Capitol. They certainly know that borders are necessary because there is a bent in human nature toward evil and we need borders. Enough said. What they need to do is they need to secure the border and, and find the right level of immigration, legal immigration that we can have. And... Do that because that is their number one duty, to protect innocent people from evil. If they don't do that, they're not carrying out their duties. Uh, I mean, they want to fund all this other crazy stuff, but they don't want to fund what they should be funding, and that is secure borders. But go back and listen to the entire podcast because I don't want to be misunderstood. I wish everybody could be in America, but everybody can't. We're privileged to be in America. I I wish everybody could come to America just so we could get them the gospel. You know, they we don't have to go overseas. They could just come here, but it's just impossible to have everyone come here. In any event, let me go to a new topic. I got uh, an email. I I get your questions at hello at crossexamined.org. That's hello at crossexamined.org. So if you have a question, send it to me there and I'll try and get to it. I can't get to all of them. But uh, Charla writes, our adult Sunday school teacher basically said that sharing the gospel is enough when you are talking to non-Christians. I asked about explaining why the Bible is true. And he basically said that was going down a rabbit trail. Okay, so uh, apologetics is now a rabbit trail to this guy. Uh, she said, also, the lesson said the Holy Spirit gives wisdom to believers. <laughs> she says, now, I've been sharing my faith with a faith with a friend who's a non-believer and felt like an idiot. The Holy Spirit did not give me wisdom. Now, partly because of what I've been reading and listening to Apologetics podcast to help me. That's not a complete sentence, but anyway. Uh, okay, she says, and now this lesson says you don't need to do that. So she, basically she's saying, I've been listening to this podcast and others to try and help me. But the lesson that's being taught in her church says you don't need apologetics. You don't need to do that. You just share the gospel and not worry about what questions they raise. And she, she asks, how can that be effective? I agree. Some people may accept just based on the gospel, but others have so many questions. Aren't we, know how, aren't we to know how to answer at least some of these questions? And then she gives me an excerpt from the lesson. Let me read this excerpt from the lesson. Okay, just so you can see. This is a lesson I don't even know what what who who's the author she doesn't say. Um, let me see. Right here. Uh, okay. I don't know who I don't know who's written this lesson, but but here's the relevant part of the lesson that says, "I hey, don't worry about apologetics." Here's here's what it says. "The Holy Spirit gives wisdom to believers." That's the header. When you dialogue with people about the gospel, puzzling questions and difficult issues can arise. Some Christians avoid these, questions, these discussions because they are afraid and won't have all the answers. Relax, you won't. The Holy Spirit illuminates us, helping us respond in situations for which little preparation is possible. It's impossible to read enough books, memorize enough answers, or research enough issues to, thoroughly, to be thoroughly versed on every possible objection. And trusting the Holy Spirit to help you know what to say in the moment. Trust the spirit for discernment about a person's genuine needs, underlying concerns and past experiences, prompting their questions or motivating their resistance. No person has ever been argued or debated into the kingdom of God. All right, let me stop right there. How do you know that? I was. I mean, I, I, I had questions and I reached, researched them and realized that Christianity was true and then became a Christian. Don't tell Lee Strobel that what didn't happen with him or J. Warner Wallace or Josh McDowell, they all came to faith. We all came to faith because we looked at evidence and arguments. Now, it's true. That doesn't happen without the Holy Spirit being involved. But it's not all the Holy Spirit. You have a role, too. This person goes on to say, this lesson goes on to say, don't stress about being able to win arguments or convince skeptics about the gospel. Focus your energy on maintaining a loving attitude. Well, you have to do that. We get that. Making a clear gospel presentation and trusting the Spirit for wisdom to handle issues as they arise. The Holy Spirit works through willing Christians. He gives you power and authority and wisdom. The pressing question then is, how do you intensify your experience with the Spirit's power? It sounds so spiritual, doesn't it? There are no verses given here that's just said, this is what the Holy Spirit does. Does God give you wisdom? Yes, he does. But does that mean that you don't have to learn anything ever? I mean, think about this. If the Holy Spirit does everything, then why is this Bible study lesson necessary? The very person writing this this, uh, Bible study is telling you something that apparently the Holy Spirit won't tell you, that all you need is the Holy Spirit. Well, if the Holy Spirit's supposed to give you all the answers, why doesn't the Holy Spirit give you this lesson? And why didn't the Holy Spirit teach you the contents of this study so that the study, which says all you need is the Holy Spirit? You see the self-defeating nature of this? In fact, if the Holy Spirit does it all, why do we even need a Bible? Hmm. The Holy Spirit's just going to tell you everything to say. Don't even bother studying the Bible. You don't even need the Bible. Holy Spirit does everything. You just pray, it happens. That's not the, we know that's not the way it works. I'm not saying there's no role for the Holy Spirit, don't get me wrong. What I am saying is the Holy Spirit doesn't do everything. You have to study to show yourself to prove. We are commanded always to have reasons for the hope that we have. Does that mean we're going to know all the answers? No. But we should study our study enough to know the main questions that people are going to have. And if you don't know the answer to a question, tell somebody, I'll get back to you. And if the Holy Spirit does all the work, why does God tell us to love him with all our mind? The greatest commandment, Matthew twenty-two thirty-seven. Why does Paul tell us to destroy arguments, 2 Corinthians 10.5? Oh, no, the Holy Spirit destroys the arguments. No, you're supposed to do that with the Holy Spirit's help. But that doesn't mean you don't do anything. Why is the writer of this study giving us reasons not to use reasons? I, I love it when people come out against apologetics and they give us reasons don't, to not use reasons. Can, can you see the self-defeating nature of this? I think it's also it not only makes the person sound more spiritual, that's why they love to do it, it takes them off the hook. It's lazy. I don't need to study anything. I got it. No problem. The Holy Spirit will handle it. I don't have to do anything. I mean, why is this guy giving arguments we shouldn't use arguments? And why does Paul tell us to renew our minds if the Holy Spirit does everything? We have to renew our minds precisely because, as as I talked about earlier in the program, our minds are bent toward evil. And we don't know everything. We need to study. God gives us a responsibility. So this idea that the Holy Spirit does everything is not scriptural, and it would be self-defeating anyway. And so don't buy into this, what comes across as super spiritual advice, when it's really... Ignoring what the scripture says, ignoring what common sense says, and it makes you less able to actually go out there and achieve the Great Commission. You've got to have some responsibility for not only knowing what the Bible says, but why the Bible is true. Now, maybe you could get away with this 60, 70 years ago. When you could just open the Bible in America and people would go, Oh, the Bible. Yeah, what does it say? Now people call you names when you open the Bible. You got to give them reasons why Christianity is true. And in fact, the Bible, in many people's uh, opinion, is so tainted that if you were to open the Bible, they would shut their minds immediately. That's why you might want to, instead of saying the Bible says, you may want to say, An eyewitness to the resurrection said, Paul said, who used to be Saul, a persecutor of the church, James, who was an unbeliever prior to witnessing his own brother rising from the dead. He died as a martyr, as a pastor in the church in Jerusalem. Peter, who denied the Lord three times, ultimately went to his death for saying he had risen from the dead. Maybe you just want to affirm the resurrection, and then after the person becomes a Christian, then you can talk more about the rest of the Bible. Because, look, the apostles never tried to get non-Jews to believe that the Old Testament was the inerrant word of God. They tried to get non-Jews to believe that the resurrection occurred by giving them evidence. Once they became Christians, then they went and said, okay, here are the reasons why the scriptures are inerrant. You don't start with inerrancy. Inerrancy and in the Bible is a conclusion. It's not a premise. You start with the evidence, and then you work your way to the Bible, to inerrancy, to inspiration. All right, friends, I'm Frank Turr. Great being with you. Don't forget, I'm in Charlotte this week. In a couple of weeks, I'll be at Ohio State and Westerville Church. Check the website, crossexamine.org, for that. Great being with you. See you next week. God bless.
0: We hope you got a lot of value out of this episode. If you think our podcast needs to reach more people, here's what you can do to help. Go to iTunes and type cross Examined official podcast, four words in the search bar, and leave us a five-star rating. It'll take you less than five seconds. And if you have a few more seconds to spare, leave us a positive review. The best reviews will be featured on future episodes. You can also listen on Spotify, Stitcher, and Google Play. God bless.